Alright, peoples. This is episode 137, Just Because the Human Experience Podcast. I'm Michael. Oh, oh. I was going through puberty. Um, my guest was my brother, Justin, my fraternity brother. This was really cool to have this conversation with him. I haven't talked to him in person in a long time, but I've always enjoyed our conversations. He is one of the hosts for Carl and J-Man Save the World, the podcast. They also have a YouTube channel. If you want to see his semi-beautiful face, him and Carl. Combined, they have a fully beautiful face. Talk about his some of his experiences on the res. And they get more into that in their podcast, which I highly recommend. Our love for pro wrestling, his journey as a person. Enjoy. You can find their podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Earth, um, MySpace. Maybe they have something on there. Uh, Kazaa, LimeWire, um, Area 51. Uh, you could just you could find it. Do you think we can do the song from In the Heights? And I'll give you two M&M. Um, that is. Two M&M's. Not for me. Three M&M's? Yes. Oh. Uh, no, 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 no. I want all the sugar. All the sugar? Yeah. No. Then that's too much? Mm-hmm. Well, can you play with George? I will play with George if we do this song. Yeah. If we do one more dance. It's the one we did yesterday. Come on. The part where he goes, Good morning, Usnavi. Pan caliente, café con leche. What's your dinosaur's name? Rudy. Rudy. What color is Rudy? Mm, white. Kind of white, kind of gray. Oh, Rudy white. Everyone, yeah, we can do it. Rudy can white. Everyone can do the song. Yeah, we will do the song. Okay. But um, if you don't, if we don't, if you say no, Rudy will be mad and smash you. So should we start? Yeah. Ready? Box the letter. Wait, wait, we gotta start over. And you have to talk this way. Good morning, Usnavi. Pan caliente, cafe con leche. Um, then what comes next? Well, he says, uh, put $20 on today's lottery. Okay, let's be, be let's be the gotta be. be. Oh my god, you're so good. flew in at 3 a.m. last night. Sweet. Abuela's been all day long. Cooking all week. 
Come pie when I see you this weekend. I would rather eat. Good job. High five. Yes. Ready for those M&Ms? No. What's yes. That? Yes, 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 yes. been my entire life where have you been you are the <laughs> shittiest texter in the world i i am i am i trust me i it, i'm like that with everybody so my bad okay. i won't take it personally how have you been <laughs> good good busy busy that's that's why i'm a shitty texter <laughs> <laughs> i accept that excuse can you hear me okay is the audio is all right on this side yeah you're good you're good all right awesome Although we like haven't personally talked in a while, I listened to your podcast, so it's like I do hear you. I'll talk to the phone, but obviously you can't <laughs> hear me. Um, I wanted to have you on, I think, especially hearing your podcast, the Carlin J-Man Save the World podcast. Uh-huh. You guys offer a great perspective. It's, it's um, you know, it's very specific to, to life on the res and uh, life in the Native American community. If I'm if I'm butchering it, you could totally just tell me to No, start. no, no. You're, you're, um, you're the driver of this ship, so I'm just uh, along for the ride. So this is number one in Romania, so really there's not really, there's no rules for how that's going to go. <laughs> um, and just hearing you talk about it, and so I wanted to just pick your brain about, about life and how you came to be who you are. Yeah. You were born somewhere on the earth. Uh, we're we're started, right? Are we starting? Oh, we're totally starting. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, I was born in a place called Tuba City, and so that's on a rural rural Arizona on the reservation. But you know, Tuba's technically on the Navajo reservation, but I'm I'm Hopi, and so I claim Hopi. I claim that I'm from the Hopi reservation, and so um, it, it's funny to me because you know, like I think when you're younger, and even some people never grow out of this, but it's like we develop these stereotypes for groups of people and that we fail to recognize that there's a diversity within even a small group of people and so natives are very much accustomed to that everybody thinks we live in teepees everybody thinks that we ride horses and that we all have long hair but the reality is that native people are very diverse that we all belong to different tribes we all speak different languages we all have different realities in a way because you know I, I think that that's another thing that's lost even when you talk to other native folks to other indigenous folks that you know that there's this I don't want to call it a false narrative but it's very much a narrative that's not necessarily the truth or the reality is the fact that native people are different in that a lot of us have different levels of understandings of who we are, which I know kind of sounds strange, but if you understand like assimilation, colonization, like the boarding school era, forced removal, all of these horrible things that the United States government did to indigenous peoples to strip us of our identity, basically. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of a huge reason as to why, you know, there's native folks out there that really don't know who they are that they don't know a whole lot about their tribes, about their histories, about their languages, any type of heritage 
religion or spirituality and so it, it's kind of like uh, varying levels throughout the country and based upon what tribe you belong to and I, i'm very fortunate to belong to a tribe to where we do speak our language we do have some semblance of our heritage religion in place and we still practice our a lot of our uh, traditional cultural ceremonies and different practices and so it, it just differs it differs from reservation to reservation it differs from individual to individual and so i think with the podcast you mentioned the podcast because my partner carl we both have similar we both had similar upbringings and that we were raised by an older generation of hopi couples and that we st we were fortunate enough to have this these Hopi lessons, in addition to being raised as Americans, being raised in um, the society that we have today. And so we, I think that's kind of the, more of the narrative that we try to push is that we, that Native folks that live on the reservation, that that lifestyle is different. I, I always compare it to Game of Thrones. I don't know if you're a Game <laughs> of Thrones fan. But you know, like how the the people from the north, the the people from Winterfell, they're like real proud that you know they live this harder lifestyle, this tougher lifestyle, and so they kind of look down on the southerners and that you know that we we're, we're we're much harder because we live this this harder lifestyle. Reservation people are kind of very similar to that. That you know we we believe that we live this harder lifestyle because living in rural Arizona that we don't have access to amenities that a lot of people take for granted, like the internet, for example, right? Like oh, the, COVID, yeah. the, the pandemic's going on right now. And I think that a lot of people have utilized the internet, things like Zoom, um, other, other types of software and applications to be able to continue to communicate, even though you can't see people face to face. But out here on the reservation, because we're rural, that sometimes the internet works against us and the fact that, you know, you can't always get on a Zoom call if you're trying to do business and um, trying to engage with the outside world. And so really, it just depends, you know, maybe the, the internet's feeling good on Monday and it'll work just fine. But on Tuesday, you know, it decides that it's going to take a day off and then you, you can't connect to folks in that way. And so, you know, it really is this different life out here. And I think for Carl and I, that's really what we wanted to push was that we wanted to share that, hey, you know, that there is this indigenous narrative out there, but sometimes it doesn't always support or even benefit reservation natives because, you know, there, there's a whole different lifestyle out here. There's a whole different perspective. There's a whole different mentality. And so I think really that was kind of the, um, the purpose behind the podcast was to share that perspective. Why did you want to start a podcast? I have quite a few friends who have um, started podcasts sometime, and it's been interesting to see who keeps up with it and who mm -hmm. who keeps uh, or who falls off. And you guys have consistently, you know, you have a great hand, not handful, many episodes. Um, what made you start it? What keeps you going with it? It, it's interesting because I, I didn't know a whole lot about podcasting when we started podcasting because I, well, you know, because I'm familiar with things like radio, right? Radio mm -hmm. shows. And, uh, you know, me, I'm a huge sports fan. And so I used to listen to um, sports radio like all day long. Like, I'm not kidding. I would listen to it all day long while I'm at work. Like, that's just how big of a fan I am when it comes to sports. But I would listen to it and I would really like kind of think about those individuals that were um, on the radio, like basically living their dream because, you know, they're following something that the rest, the regular people will follow 
on their free time, but they're getting paid to do this and they get to talk about it. They get to share their opinions about the teams and how they're doing about individual players. And so that just really was like very attractive to me to be able to do that, to share your opinion on whatever it is that you're talking about and especially sharing it with with a, a large audience and so I think essentially that's kind of what attracted me to this idea of doing podcasting and it was actually my partner Carl because he did his own podcast he had his own podcast before Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast and he's like a real technology guru like he's just really into technology and so even before we started the podcast he had microphones he had a soundboard like he had a lot of equipment already and we were friends like we've, we've actually been friends since we were in kindergarten together and oh, wow. um you know how life goes where you know you know somebody from way back then and then you go different directions and you're apart for a long time and then we came back together and then we actually started working together we started working together we had these conversations and we learned that you know we kind of shared the same perspective on life we shared the same perspective on our communities on you know who we are as native people and so he's the one that kind of brought the idea of hey let's do a, we should do a podcast you know and you know me because like for me you know it's just like I, I didn't really think that he was serious and so I just jokingly like yeah well we'll do a podcast and then <laughs> one day you know he told me he said hey come come by um to this place I I got uh the studio I got the equipment set up and so I came through and then he said let's record an episode and let's just see how it goes and I said, okay, so we're going to do this. So we sat down and it, we, we had absolutely no idea of what we were going to talk about because we never got past, let's do a podcast. Okay, let's do a podcast. And so we never talked about what the, the theme of the podcast would be or basically kind of what the structure for our podcast would be. And then we we're just sitting there thinking, well, let's just talk about reservation life and we'll, we'll talk about you know some of the, the goofy things that we did when we were kids and so that essentially became the pilot episode but it wasn't supposed to be the pilot episode what it was supposed to be was just us recording and just see how we vibe together and we were going to send it to a few people and get some responses back get some feedback and just to see where we could change it up a little bit or make it better <laughs> and we sent we sent it to like two people we sent it to like two people and they both responded yeah it sounds pretty good and so like okay it sounds pretty good let's send it out let's make it public and so that's really how it started and um I think the fact that we've kept going is the little success that we've had our podcasts were listened to somehow were listened to in over 13 plus countries yeah. um, just last week we uh, hit over 30,000 downloads and that's just through our anchor app that measures all of that information for us we also have a youtube page and so that doesn't count our youtube numbers and so it's i i really think that's kind of been a reason why we kept going with was the little bit of success that we had and it, it's been it's been quite the journey and so it's it's been very exciting to be able to have this platform but as you know it's a lot of work man <laughs> yeah work. And I think people don't really, you know, understand how much work it is because it seems like, oh, you're just bullshitting for an hour or uh -huh. you know, however long your episodes are. But, you know, there's the editing process and then the marketing. And um, even if you're like, because we're very specific to certain topics. And so there's formatting that I have to do and thinking about, you know, special guests and who could I bring in to help um, enhance these types of conversations. And so really it, it does become a full time job. No, it definitely does. Like when I when I tell people I have a podcast, they say, "Oh, you have a podcast?" Like with a tone like, 
oh, you play with toys? Like, it's, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like this is, I take this seriously. And um, it's, <laughs> it's great to hear someone else does the reaching out to people. And then it's a lot to get your ideas out. And then I, I think it's, it's brave, right? That what we do in that we, we throw it out there. And if people give feedback or, or whether they, they do or not, it's a lot to just oh, say like, here's sure. what I think throw it out into the universe and then uh people go what the fuck were you talking about or <laughs> hey that was that was a good idea you had but um no it's definitely a lot what what's been the biggest surprise you guys were kind of talking us to the podcast and it you didn't think it was serious at first from episode one to now what's been sort of the the biggest surprise and what's been i guess the biggest challenge I think for me, the biggest surprise is when you finally un- know, figure out who's actually listening to you. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the support sites that you use to have a podcast, it only gives you numbers. It never gives you names. It doesn't give you faces. And so, you know, I see these numbers and I really don't know who they are. And then sometimes, you know, people will reach out to me like, hey, I've listened to a couple of your episodes. You guys are pretty good. They're like PhDs and, you know, like people okay. who I think are way too smart for our for our episodes or for our conversations and they're telling me yeah you I really enjoy your podcast and so that's kind of a huge surprise but it kind of like it, it kind of freaks me out in a way sometimes because sometimes I'll find out that like close family members listen to the podcast then it gets me second guessing as to what I can share because you know we do yeah. share some stuff from our personal lives and it's like oh my god my mom's listening to the podcast because I shouldn't be talking about the the parties that I went to in high school or uh-huh. you know, the, the the drinking that I did in college and so that, that kind of throws me for a loop but I think the challenges um, I guess it's just really trying to learn how to really market the podcast because Carl and I neither one of us have any real like marketing experience and so it's really just kind of using the social medias to the best that we can and then you know hoping for word of mouth but we learned that you know a lot of people like barely are now learning about us and you know like oh I just learned about your podcast and now I'm listening to the whole thing and so I, I think that if we could figure out a way to do the marketing better. I think we know what we need to do, but I think the difficult thing is just like you, you know, we're, we're both, uh, we're both employees. We're both, mm. uh, have other careers going on. And so that's really the difficult part is that you have your job and then understanding that, you know, to really push something like a podcast or even to really push something like a YouTube channel, that it takes so much effort that, you know, to do it correctly, that it's like, you literally would only be doing your job and then working on a podcast and YouTube. Right. But just like you, you know, I'm a father, I'm a husband. And so, you know, all of those duties come first. For sure. How did you handle, you know, growing up when you would run into the, the, either the racism or the stereotypes, how would you run into it when, when dealing with someone who's not native? And then you, you know, you touched on a little bit that there's also correct me if I'm wrong, like stereotypes that other tribes have on each other or have ideas. Mm -hmm. How did you handle that when dealing with non-native people versus uh, native people? I, I think that it's kind of it's kind of unfortunate because, you know, this I like I'm I'm a huge proponent of like the anti uh native mascot campaign. Mm. Because I, I truly believe and you know this is a large argument that 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 camp makes and I truly believe this is that when you have those stereotypes at a national level that it's 
telling the world that it's okay to be racist against natives and indigenous people when you have teams like the Cleveland Indians. Mm. Um, I, I thought it was a miracle that the Washington football team changed their mascot. Yeah. And you have, you know, cartoons, Disney, you know, like Peter Pan, and, you know, there's that whole scene in there. And even things like Pocahontas, you know, they have all these different portrayals. It's, it was difficult for us as children, especially because we would experience that. We would come across like a non-native kids as well. And, you know, they would do the, the, uh, the ooh, you know, the, the whore hoops and things, you know, because they're coming across us. And we would kind of just laugh with them. You know, we would laugh with them and we would just kind of play it off like a joke, like there was no attempts to educate them or no attempts to tell them that they were wrong, because I think that we were in a position to where we felt that I guess in a way that we didn't realize that they were being racist towards us, that we didn't realize that, you know, the perception that these larger, um, these larger things like sports team mascots or the way that natives are portrayed in the media and movies, that sort of thing, what type of detriment that creates, because then it's really unfortunate because uh, I actually had a conversation with this, with a, a high school classmate of mine's very recently, and we talked about the effects that these negative stereotypes, especially in the larger in media and major sports teams have on native people because it really it really paints this narrative in a way that it's almost a joke to be native or it's a joke to be mm. indigenous or that our culture, our religion is kind of like sticks and stones that there's no validity behind it, especially for how hard education put, pushes things like science, STEM and that sort of thing. And so as growing up as native kids, we want it to be anything other than native. We grasped onto the hip hop culture. We want it to be black. We grasped onto components of the hip hop culture. We want it to be Mexican. And, you know, we want it to be all these other, other types of cultures because we never got to see our own culture be painted in a positive light, in a cool light, or something that we want it to be attracted to. And so really, you know, I think that that's where those types of things, the native mascots and sports and how traditionally natives and indigenous people were portrayed in movies and media, that kind of created that real negative perspective and mentality to where, you know, kids on their own reservation didn't even have the self-esteem to be proud that they were native children. And so, you know, I, I think that that's kind of how we dealt with that. But I think that, you know, in terms of how we interacted with each other in terms of stereotypes, it's like, you know, you grew up with brothers and sisters, right? And so anytime any one of your siblings say anything sideways to you, you're not afraid to, you know, stand up for yourself and throw them down the stairs or whatever, you know, whatever it is that, you know, you do with your siblings. But as soon as somebody from the outside, you know, maybe they come at you in a certain way, then you don't have that same reaction. So I think that we were a little bit more vocal with each other when it came to that sort of thing. And so we would kind of talk crap to each other about, about uh, whose land was stolen from who. And so as Hopis, you know, that's kind of our, our, um, message to the Navajos. It's like, yeah, you guys stole our land. So <laughs> Damn it. So we, we met at ASU um, through the fraternity. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately for me, I wasn't really aware of indigenous issues or anything really, right? I grew up predominantly uh, Hispanic grade schools, high schools, um, African-American. So when I, you know, met my, my sons, my pledge brother Darius, and then, and then you shortly came after, and then 
we'd have a few more brothers. That's when I really started, like when you guys would talk about it. And then sometimes we'd go to events or whatever. And that's, that's one thing I miss about ASU is it was, you can go to events probably every, every other day about one culture or another to hear you all, hear you all talk about it. And it's mind boggling how much it isn't talked about and kind of still isn't. And it's weird with, you know, like social media and the news, you know, there's the huge Black Lives Matter movement. Then there was the, you know, stop AAPI hate. It always seems like there's just all these chunks and different people sort of taking their turns on stuff. And and then occasionally we'd, we'd hear indigenous um, issues, indigenous people issues. Do you think the awareness is increasing as, as time is going on? Or is it is it getting harder because now all these other groups also have a voice. And so it's sort of like, hey, can we talk first? Or wait, how about you go? How about we go together? Mm-hmm. Um, what is, how do you view that? I, I think that um, the awareness is probably increasing a little bit more because then I think it is because of the Black Lives Matter movement that was a driving force as to why the Washington football name did change their name because then, you know, it, it, it I think people saw something like that, the Black Lives Matter movement, not just as a movement for Black African-American people, but really it was a movement for equality for all people of color. And so I think that because they had been talking about the Washington football team for quite a long time, that that's where their owners and sponsors recognized that that football team and what they promoted fell into this pool of um, negativity of racism that people are trying to remove from this country and so i think that's kind of where they were able to do that and so that's actually really where i kind of saw for the first time that you know as people of color where we could really work with each other using each other's causes as platforms to get your own cause uh, heard or be talked about because i think that really is a perfect example of that and it it it's difficult for the indigenous voice to be heard because we're such a small population. I think that the last census that they reported that it was like 0.2% of the United States population is Native American or American Indian. And, you know, I, I think that when you talk about Native Americans, American Indians, indigenous people, that it's such a complex topic. It's complex because land is involved. And when land is involved, then that's kind of where people start to challenge whether are you truly American Indian or are have you become so assimilated and colonized that your your quote unquote blood quantum is so to one side that are there even truly any Indians left? And so it's this continued practice of genocide to remove indigenous peoples from this country because we do hold land. We do hold land and uh, reservations, they're called reservations. And so I think that's kind of really where this uh, complexity comes. And I I also think too, it's another reason why indigenous people don't get support from things like state governments, from local governments, because in this ever competitive 
world, especially when business comes into play, that the state and local governments that are non-native or non-indigenous, that they really do see indigenous communities and their governments as competition in a lot of the things mm. that they're competing for. Because like you think about life, that we all need air to breathe, we all need water to drink, we all need land to live on. And so for reservations that, you know, that we have to fight for things like clean air. And so an entity could create something down the road from a reservation that would increase pollution in the air. That Those are the types of things that we combat against because then if you're creating something that's gonna cause a detriment, but you're putting it outside of a large urban area like Phoenix, and then you're putting it next to a reservation, that a lot of those people, they think that, oh, well, there's just Indians. And so, you know, we're it's okay to set up this whatever that's gonna increase this pollution. And so Native, communities, native governments were always fighting for things like the quality of air, even water rights. Water rights is a huge issue because you think about the Colorado River, the Colorado River is a huge thing that helps with things like infrastructure, electricity. And so like the city of Phoenix, city of Los Angeles, all of these cities get their power as a result of the Colorado River. And so tribes are fighting for their rights to have access to that Colorado River because the tribes, you know, our argument is that we've always had access to that river. We've always been able to benefit from it. But now because you want to use it for your electricity to power Phoenix, to power California, now you're saying that we can't have that access like we always did. And so I think that that's another reason why tribes don't get the support that they should is because that we become the enemy of the state literally when it comes to things like that, especially when you talk about like gaming and casinos, that sort of thing. That's always been such a huge topic amongst government to government relationships, because then even though tribes by the letter of the law are allowed to establish their own gaming enterprises, that whatever neighboring community, they're going to see that as income that's taken out of their own pockets and put into the reservations. Mm -hmm. And so in turn, that, you know, that creates a, a, a lot of conflict. And so it's very interesting. And I, I think that, you know, a reason why that um, a lot of these state governments, local governments that are non-Indigenous, that a lot of the times that their resistance to working with tribes or allowing tribes to have the slice of the pie that rightfully belongs to them doesn't necessarily come from some sort of lo logical perspective, but rather a perspective that's derived by racism and um, that type of thing. Speaking of Peter Pan, no, um, <laughs> we so we, we go to the, the public library and we get, the, they have like DVD bundles you can get, mm -hmm. you say it's for kids and you got to say for kids so they don't give you porn, but they, um, <laughs> I don't know if they have porn. So they gave us, they actually gave us Peter Pan uh, this yesterday we went and Serena and I both looked at each we looked at it and we looked at each other and we said are we are we gonna put this on for our son because of that that scene in Peter Pan uh, we said nope and so we put it high up on the shelf so our son wouldn't ask for it are there things you're seeing as a parent right that may have changed your views or opened your eyes a little bit to like oh I didn't know this is what this cartoon meant like watching it now as an adult yeah. And now as a, as a dad, um, yeah. Are, yeah, what are some of those things? 
<laughs> Actually, one of them is something that my daughter was recently watching, Peppa Pig. I, I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with it. That's, that's a Nickelodeon show. I always tell my wife, like, oh, my God, you know, I think Peppa Pig's like a really racist show because, you know, like you, th you think about the horse, right? Pedro the horse. Uh -huh. I, I think Pedro the horse is supposed to be a Mexican because his name's Pedro and he's always taking naps. And so, like, oh, there's, damn. There's, there's like a lot of um, association of stereotypes and certain types of ethnicities. I don't know if I'm making this up. I might completely be making making this up. And you know, Peppa Pig is just a real innocent type of cartoon. But then, if you really that's watch... one of our sponsors is Peppa Pig. We just, <laughs> I just lost Peppa Pig as a sponsor. Let me cross them off my list here. Okay. <laughs> but then there, there's some other types of um, connections that I've seen within that cartoon that, that I've made. And so I always tell my wife, oh my God, I can't believe we let her watch this. I thought with, with Peppa Pig, I, I'll keep more an eye out for that that stuff. But with the dad, because he's, he's, he's kind of bigger, he's, he's fatter. Yeah. And whenever he's going to, he says he's going to do something like show them how to dive in a swimming pool or do whatever. Peppa always calls him out. He's like, but daddy, you're fat. <laughs> and then he makes a, a sad face and I go whoa they're fat shaming this dude and then they all laugh at the dad I go what the hell is going on yeah that's that's really interesting and even um what else pops into your your head besides Peppa Pig well I don't think it's so much cartoons like 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 the kids shows but I've become more like cognizant about the tv shows that I watch because you know like especially those that kind of came out in like the 2000s even just you know as recent as that that there's a lot of that type of language in there where there's a lot of discrimination whether it's towards an ethnicity or like you're saying uh, fat shaming or even towards the uh, LGBTQ community and you know because out here on the reservation you know we're we're very um we, we have a certain type of perspective that's, um, I guess, kind of aligned more towards like like traditional perspectives, old time perspectives. And me and Carl on our podcast, we always make this joke that you know how you're you're born into the world that you have you're you're set in the factory setting. So when you go buy an mm -hmm. iPhone, you know it's set to a particular setting. That's the factory setting, and because depending on how you use your iPhone, you upgrade, you download apps, you take off apps, and then you basically you cater it to yourself. But these factory settings are catered to a certain type of perspective and a certain type of thought process. And so, you know, a lot of that does unfortunately involve things like racism and uh, homophobia and, and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. And, and so I, I did grow up in that type of community. I did grow up to a degree with that type of type of mentality and perspective. But really, I think that the fraternity is something that really showed me how other people live and how what other people's experiences are, that it made me more uh, sympathetic for, for certain types of folks and the certain types of difficulties that they have to endure for being whoever it is that they are. And so now that I go back and watch some of those shows from like the 2000s and even the 90s, it's like, oh my God, I can't believe that, yeah. that you know, this thing's allowed to, to still be out there because, you know, there's all these different types of movements now into ensuring that whatever media is putting out there is appropriate. And, but yet, you know, all these 2000s and 90s shows, you can still find them. They're on Netflix, they're on all of the hundreds of uh, streaming services oh, that are available yeah. out there. <laughs> so it's really interesting. But, you know, we really try to uh, give our children contexts about 
that type of thing because it was never really afforded for us, uh, my me and my wife growing up. And so we definitely wanted to share that with our children because, you know, regardless of what your beliefs are, what religion you follow, or, you know, even what your political thoughts are, it's like the 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 constant is that you should always treat people with respect and that you mm. should always be respectful for people re- uh, regardless of what their beliefs are. And so I think that, you know, I really give a lot to the fraternity for that because you all really helped to show me that the different sides of life, the different sides of the world. So I'm really appreciative of that. For sure. With the fraternity, with your Phoenix Sunset, you're very into sports. You've, you've just always been uh, that guy. And you'd, you'd ask us, and I think you'd ask me a couple of times if I saw a game or whatever, and I go, no, I, I have no idea. I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. I don't know what ball. And there'd be other brothers. So then, you know, you guys would all talk about sports, and then we'd, we'd talk about whatever, but we all loved eating. Why why do you love sports so much? You've always, you always post about sports, and uh, I know you did track and you love basketball and what draws you in to to all these sports you know i i think that that's kind of um it's almost like part of the reservation culture is that um because reservation culture mirrors pretty closely to like just any type of small town small town culture small town living and so it's like we're very supportive of our high school teams. I remember when I was on the basketball team in high school that you would have a caravan behind the school bus traveling with us to wherever it is that we go. And so you would go to games like out here because I went to Tuba City High School and on the Navajo Nation, you had schools like Winter Rock High School, Monument Valley High School, Chinle High School, which were all probably at least over a mile drive to each of those towns. And so when we would go play those games at, at those places that we would have our community members driving with us. And so you would go to a game, it's supposed to be an away game, but yet you feel like it's a home game because of how many of your community members are there watching and supporting. So I think for me, it really started way back then. And I think we're just competitive people in nature. And so we like to play things like basketball. Um, I was a runner. We have football teams out here. Wrestling is actually pretty big on the reservation too. And see the reservation produces some pretty quality wrestlers. And so I think really just that's where it started was, you know, playing sports, watching other people play sports, even being a, being a kid, going to the, to the high school games, to the warrior games, and then, you know, watching those teams play and really being into it and really wanting those teams to do good and wanting them to win and so I think that my life just like a lot of people out here that it was uh, ingrained in us as children that you know sports is cool that it's cool to watch sports it's cool to play sports it's cool to support the local sports teams and so I think that that's kind of where that that started and then like me I'm just a big believer in supporting local and so you know I love the Phoenix Suns they're my first love. I, I love watching the Arizona Cardinals play and the fact that we went to ASU, that I'm a huge supporter of ASU basketball and football. And so, you know, I think that just being in love with those teams that I followed them, you know, ever since uh, I was a kid and just even into adulthood. And so I still watch them. I still follow them. Like to me, it's an outlet for life. You know, you're stressed out, you watch your, your sports teams play and it's just this big release. And I think it's also just a way to be, um, 
have have an opportunity for camaraderie with certain folks because then sometimes you know you'll you'll have people out there that you have absolutely nothing in common with except that you know we're both Phoenix Suns fans or we're both Cardinals fans or we're both you know ASU fans and so that's kind of that part where you're able to connect with people who are fans of those teams and then to be able to experience things like tailgating or experiencing going to those games and then just being able to help uh, hang out with them and so my wife you know fortunately she's also a big sports fan too so she's a huge phoenix suns fan as well um and then uh, but unfortunately though she is a dallas cowboys fan so Uh-oh. that's kind of where, where i get her crap down. and yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll blame wendy for me getting kicked off your podcast <laughs> that's exactly it is there a sport you just you just don't get you don't you don't understand how people could watch it how people could play it why it exists or are you pretty open that everyone has their own thing it would probably be nascar <laughs> that would probably be my yeah that's i don't it's a circle it's going to circle. I, it, like i tell people all the time like i understand that it takes skill to drive a car that fast and you know it in circles and not trying to run into other people but then it's like where, where's the part where your body's actually working to ensure that because the car's doing all the work so i always thought that nascar was that sport for me that's true they're not they're not a sponsor so we're pretty safe that <laughs> but people will fight to the grave and, and oh yeah that nascar is a sport that it's a legitimate sport mm-hmm. speaking of somewhat sports one thing you and i really connected on is, is pro wrestling let's get into that how how did you get introduced to pro wrestling how what keeps you in it because a lot of Again, you know, at, at grade school, a lot of the kids were into it. And then you kind of grow up. It, it's not as cool anymore to some people. And I kept watching it. And so in college, it'd be me and Mark who watched it a lot. And then we met you and then you watch it. Well, first, how did you get introduced to it? Why do you love mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. I, 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 I can honestly say that I don't remember what the first wrestling match or wrestling event was that I watched because I truly believe that I probably started watching wrestling around those ages where you can't remember anything like around Mm. three four years old and I'm pretty convinced that it was my grandfather that got me into wrestling because he's the only person in my entire family that watched wrestling and so I'm pretty sure that you know some somewhere somehow I was there at his house at my him and my grandma's house and he had wrestling on and then somehow I just started watching it and it just became a fan because I I really do I really, I, I really can honestly say that I've been watching wrestling for as long as I can remember. And so I remember being like a really young kid that we didn't catch uh, the USA Network, which was a network that the WWF was on, but we caught TBS, which carried a WCW World Championship Wrestling. I, that was probably even before your time. But when I was a kid that I had absolutely no idea like what channel it was on. I didn't know what time it was on. It's like every single day I would just scroll through the channels trying to find wrestling. And <laughs> And of course, most of the time I was unsuccessful in finding it, but on some days I was lucky and I was able to find it, find it where it was at. And I would just watch it, just really immersed in it. I think it was just this idea of combat sports. And it's like, what makes me laugh is that, you know, people kind of clown on people like us that watch wrestling and, you know, the last that 
the probably the dumbest question in the world. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, pro wrestling is fake, right? <laughs> and ah, it's like, fuckers. <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, and, and then they'll ask me that too. Well, why do you like it? And, and it's, it's this exact same thing. I was like, why do you like Game of Thrones? Like, why do you like um, any other type of TV or entertainment or TV show? Because it really is, it really is like that fantasy wrestling because then, or, or fantasy fighting, because then, you know, it's like when they're wrestling, they're able to do things that you would never see in a fight. And so that was always the thing that would make me laugh. Like you would never get into a real fist fight with somebody and then climb on top of a car and try to do an elbow drop off the car oh. while, they're, <laughs> while they're laying in the middle of the street. Like that would never happen. And so it's just like this, this type of fantasy to where you can see fighters doing these types of things that they do with each other. And I think really that's kind of where it attracted me to it. And um, just, like, just like the sports, just like the suns, just like the car cardinals it's just something that I kept up with and I was fortunate enough because I was probably in junior high school going into high school for you know this, the glory of pro wrestling happened the Monday Night Wars you know you just hear about the yeah. Monday Night Wars as being the golden era of professional wrestling when WCW Nitro was going head-to-head with WWF Raw and so I, I grew up through that as as in my junior high school and high school years and I always thought that was so exciting I thought it was so exciting the fact that you had these two huge wrestling promotions going head to head and I, I've always been one to be interested in not just a product but how those products are made mm-hmm. and so I was always interested on like the business side especially now because like you know that I'm older and I have the resources to do it I'll buy all these you know books that covered the Monday Night Wars and really learn about who the players were on the inside and who made these deals and who screwed each other and who backstabbed each other. But after after the Monday Night Wars were over, WCW closed, WWF reigned supreme, and they were really the only accessible show for a few years. But man, they really, their product really showed in that we're the only wrestling promotion around you're going to watch us if you want to watch pro wrestling and we don't care if it's the shit show who else are you going to watch you know and they really did carry their product like that and that really turned me off to them well I was already upset at them for making WCW go out of business so I just really had anti-WWF now WWE mentality and so when TNA came around in probably about 2000 well they started in 2002 but I I didn't really start paying attention to them till around 2004 2005 and it was really when they got that spike tv deal when i was able to watch them that that's when i really started to connect with that product and i i've been i'm I'm a brand loyal type of guy so i've been a tna impact wrestling fan ever since i started watching way back when even in those dark years when i should have stopped watching in like 15 16 17 and so but yeah that that's kind of how it all started and and i'm still watching it today yeah with tna i remember seeing them and i said oh fuck they could really give wwe a run for their money if they just somehow keep this up yeah i i think um, maybe i don't know if you would agree but like the ball was dropped somewhere uh, on their on their timeline uh to where now they're not even you know because it was always wwe and then over here tna but now i don't i they're sort of still floating, but now AEW is more of the mm-hmm. the ones that even ROH. I feel, I at least I've like in my my social media, I hear more about ROH than Impact. Well, 
since AEW is doing that impact thing now, I'm hearing more about impact. Where do you think impact sort of kind of fell off? What did, what happened? What I happened? <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what happened now. I, I think <laughs> what happened, I, I think it actually probably started around 2008, 2009. Like, I think that's kind of that time in their timeline where they were getting a lot of traction. They were getting a lot of more viewership. I think they were doing over a million uh, viewers each week on their weekly episode on back then the weekly episode was called Impact. Impact. So I, I think they got to a point where maybe they thought that, you know, we're not we're not going to catch the WWE anytime soon, so let's just do our own thing. And that's where they really created that identity. They really created that identity with the X Division. Like, I just love the X Division. Man, I yeah. have so much love for that style of wrestling because really that style originated with, like, the luchadors and the Japanese wrestlers. And it's kind of like that Olympic thing where, you know, when the Olympics come around, I always, I always joke about the Olympics. I say the Olympics is the only time that I'm an actual patriot or I'm actually going for USA things yeah. like that. But then it, it's it's that same concept with the wrestling because I would see the Mexican wrestlers, the Japanese wrestlers wrestling that type of style. Then it was the X division that made that style American. And so I think that's kind of a real reason why I jumped on that bandwagon and just really supporting the X Division. I think it's a combination between the X Division and some of the stars that they were pushing out, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe. And they really gave them that platform because uh, I don't know if you are a witness to the greatest match in TNA history, the unbreakable three-way between AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, and Christopher Daniels. But they really like highlighted the X Division as to where like... It, historically, the WCW and WWF days, you'd never see a cruiserweight championship match as the main event of a pay-per-view, right. let alone the weekly show. And so I think that TNA was really pushing the X division. And TNA, I I would argue, are the ones that really started the women's revolution with their knockouts division with Gail Kim awesome kong taylor wilde and those ladies and so they were you know doing their thing and they were main eventing impact and so i think because they created that identity for themselves that they got really popular and then they got popular to the point to where i think they saw wwe and they said that oh we can catch these guys we can catch these guys but we got to juice up our viewership we got to get more eyes to the product and i think that's really where they dropped the ball because then mm. they started to think okay how are we going to get more people to watch tna let's bring in all these former wcw and wwf oh, guys let's bring in the writers that were in the middle of this uh, monday night war and so you get people like hogan and bishaw vince uh -huh. russo coming into TNA and really they did the exact same thing that they did with WCW and it really I think that's kind of where they lost their identity that's where they become where they became WWE light and unfortunately it's something that they never got out of until they got under this new ownership and so I think that this new ownership and the guys that they have in charge now they kind of are doing what's unorthodox and not following the same mode because then, you know, a lot of people, they don't like to give TNA or Impact any credit for anything, but it really was TNA and Impact that kind of made the cinematic matches, mm. um, putting that on the mainstream level, although people would argue that it really came from Lucha Underground, but Impact's the one that started doing it on uh, whatever channel it was that they were on when they started doing that. I think it was Pop TV. Yeah, so I think that that's kind of where, where they dropped the ball because then it's like 
you have guys like AJ Styles, you have guys like Samoa Joe, but they're not the world champion. Like right. they're losing matches. I, I remember I remember the night that I really lost it. It was AJ Styles. He had a match versus Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash had to be <laughs> in his late 40s or early 50s at that time. Yeah. You could clearly see that he had a hard time getting in the ring, getting out of the ring. And then you have AJ Styles, who's in his prime, who's doing all of these springboard moves and, you know, dropping his, the, they call it the phenomenal elbow or phenomenal forearm now in the WWE. Yeah. But, you know, back in TNA was just as part of his moveset and he lost clean to kevin nash and i just couldn't like figure out like what the fuck are they doing <laughs> like what makes them think that putting kevin nash over aj styles is going to make us want to watch this and so and unfortunately you know there was a lot of that there was a lot of that where they put over the older guys over um the younger tna stars and it, what, what pisses me off to this day is that you have guys like bischoff you have guys like russo they have podcasts mm -hmm. guys like bruce pritchard and they talk about those days and they talk about um the tna days and what their mentalities were in pushing you know the older older guys over the younger guys and it's always that it's that the idea was to bring in more more viewers because kevin nash is a bigger name than aj styles or hulk hogan is a bigger name than whoever it was that they had back then jeff hardy was you know bigger than whoever else and so you know it, that that type i mean i i guess i understand that mentality but then it's like to me when you do something like that you make the product worse mm -hmm. and it's like if you're making your product worse then why would we come in to watch it on a weekly basis and so i think that's really where they fucked up and it sucks for me to hear them on those podcasts because, of course, they never take any responsibility for what they oh. did, you know, driving TNA into the ground. And so, but yeah, I think that's kind of where, where things went south for them. Yeah, I don't feel like the bringing them in might have might have done it. You, you're supposed to bring in the older guy, right, to get the name recognition, but then have the newer, younger guy beat them. Yeah, exactly. To give the newer exactly. guy credibility. I, I remember watching some of that with like like Booker T was there and Steiner and they made the the main event mafia. If, yeah, yeah, and so I was like, wait, they all are <laughs> wobbling on their knees. How are they beating the shit out of these younger, faster guys? I don't like it. I don't know if you remember, but TNA had a pay per view in Phoenix one time. I think it was Bound for Glory. And the main event was Austin Aries versus Jeff Hardy. And like Austin Aries was over with the fans. Like I was, I was supporting him. Like I was a big Austin Aries fan back then. And I was really happy for him because, you know, he was this X division guy mm -hmm. that had a shot at the world title. And I was surprised that they even put the world title on Austin Aries, but then he became champion and he was hot, but it was that same thing. We're going to put Jeff Hardy over Austin Aries because Jeff Hardy's a bigger name. And it's like, I, I don't understand wrestling or at least the, the mentalities of some of these people that run the wrestling um, organizations sometimes because it's like, clearly, as fans, we're supporting Austin Aries. Mm -hmm. But they tried hard to make Austin Aries a heel to where we would boo him. But then it's like, but why would you do that? We're already supporting the guy. Like, right. Just let this thing grow organically, but <laughs> they never did. So no, they they always try to they have an idea for what would work. I think social media is definitely changing that. A big instance. I I don't know how much you you keep up with WWE now, but like when Daniel Bryan 
was getting over and Batista returned, they were like, all right, so it's going to be Batista at WrestleMania. But then on social media and then it, it shows people would just be chanting for Daniel Bryan the whole time. And they're like, well, we can't ignore this. So well, let's try to put Daniel Bryan in it somehow, but he'll lose. And they had to redo everything. They had to rewrite everything because the fans got so behind Daniel Bryan. Um, yeah. Do you keep up with WWE at all now or not really? Not really at all. Well, I, I think the nice thing, though, is that uh, because the network is uh, no more, and so now everything's on Peacock. And I, yeah, I yeah. do have a Peacock subscription. So um, I watch WrestleMania. I watch both nights. Um, I think that I'll probably continue to watch, like, their bigger shows. I prefer actually like NXT. Yeah. Um, I haven't been watching a whole lot of it recently, but I was really behind it probably like in 2015, 2016 when it was really hot, when they brought in like a lot of the TNA guys, when they brought mm -hmm. in Samoa Joe, Eric Young, they had Shinsuke Nakamura back when uh, their women's revolution was starting with Sasha Banks, yeah. uh, Charlotte Flair, Asuka. I was really, I really liked Asuka and Bailey, And so they had these really good women's matches. It was like the complete opposite of what you saw on Raw and SmackDown. And I think that's really why I liked NXT. It was more aligned with what you saw in TNA in the mm -hmm. glory years and Ring of Honor in the glory years. And so it kind of was more... More, more supportive of that type of wrestling that I liked. And so I, I watched NXT quite a bit back then. But I think that because it's more accessible to me now on Peacock, I'll probably watch more. For sure. And what about AEW? I watch AEW more now than I did before, probably really only because of the working relationship with Impact. Um, when, when AEW first came out, to be honest, like I couldn't stand it. I, I thought it was oh, no. so, I thought it was so stupid. I thought it was, you know, all the negative stereotypes that people say about it, that it's a glorified indie show and all of this. And, you know, because I, I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, and, you know, I, I say this now for proclaiming how much I love the X Division, but I'm not a big fan of like the high octane matches where you see like 100 super kicks, oh, 50 no. cutters, yeah. 10 Canadian destroyers people no selling everything 100 kickouts like i'm not a fan of that type of style of wrestling and i think that a lot of their core guys do wrestle that style like the young bucks mm -hmm. and there's some of the the younger wrestlers that are a part of that that they really do um work in that way and so when they first started i think you saw a lot more of that and it's not something that i really cared for so i didn't watch it a whole lot but i have been watching it recently more um, and I have actually been enjoying what I've been seeing. Like they got some young guys that I like. Like I like MJF. Yeah. I like Darby Allen. Um, there's that one short guy with the dark order. I actually really like him. Um, oh, damn. Uh, John. I feel like it's John something. But I yeah, feel I like it's. I feel like it's John something too, but he can work. Like he, yeah. he's a really good wrestler. They got those guys that I like and the, the nostalgia part that you get to see Sting now or you get mm -hmm. to see. Um, like Matt Hardy and you know they got some of the older guys that are there um and so there's there's more things about it now that I like like I was a fan of how they created that faction the pinnacle yeah. with MJF and FTR uh Tully Blanchard and uh, Sean Spears and so uh those are kind of some of the things I like I don't watch it religiously like if it if I if it's a Wednesday night and I remember it's on then then I'll watch it but it's not something that I have like uh oh I gotta watch it's Wednesday it's it's dynamite night and so but 
Um, I, I watch it when I can and actually order the last pay-per-view that they had. I think it was called Revolution. And so I actually enjoyed that one pretty well too. I've definitely been enjoying that way more. And I you know there, there's so, so many hours of like just free time, right? We have from, yeah, exactly. from being parents or, or working uh, or again, podcasting too, that if I'm like, I only have two hours, I can't watch SmackDown, Raw, NXT and AEW. And I, I, I've told you a few times, like, okay, I need to catch impact. I need to catch impact. But it's like, I only have, I haven't seen Dynamite yet. So I, I always try to watch Dynamite before I watch, I don't I even watch that. Raw really anymore either. It's, I go to NXT or, or SmackDown if I have a little bit extra time. But um, I mean, it's great that there's even an alternative, uh, another choice, right? And mm-hmm. hopefully that'll, I don't know, make things interesting with, with WWE. We're, cl- we're close to the end. I wanted to say with, with your podcast, uh, the two things. I really like that you guys share ideas you had before and and you're cool with saying, you know, acknowledging like that was kind of ignorant to say. I, I The um, LGBTQ episode you had um, where, you know, you kind of admitted like we played these games and, you know, we, we didn't really think about it. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's that's really great that you could you could say that and then say like how what you've learned and then you'll bring people on uh to talk about it and it's not just that episode too it's it's other episodes uh that's the one that came to mind and and also with with you and carl i didn't know you didn't really hang out it, it seemed like you guys were just friends for the, the whole, whole life yeah. yeah and it's this chemistry and i remember when i was first listening to you guys you know i said hey I, justin has a podcast i was telling serena Justin has a podcast and you know she asked how how it was the first thing I said the chemistry between you guys is really good mm-hmm. what I try to do because I don't my podcast doesn't really have a niche or it's uh Serena that's her biggest complaint with it and she goes you're you're not specifically about anything and I go yeah but that means anyone can listen to it like it's, <laughs> so it's called the human experience <laughs> the human experience like it, it it's anybody um you could just read the the description and see if that's what you want to listen to so I I try to listen to a shit ton of podcasts about things that I love but also things that I have no idea about so I don't know it, anything really about the the native experience or, or the res mm-hmm. life as you guys call mm-hmm. it you guys make it interesting to where I want to learn and want to keep listening to it. So even if it's something I'm not into or don't know about, you guys have found a way to make it so that an outsider like me can can listen to it and enjoy it. So I, I appreciate that. Um, this is this is where you compliment me. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> this is where I this is where I came in. I, 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 was, I sent I you doing... your I sent you your lines. Isn't that popping I, up I, on the I screen? Was, I was I was sitting here uh, enjoying the the pats on the back, and I, I hope that a lot more of them were going to come. So I was waiting for that. No, I've been <laughs> I was practicing that all day. Um, so towards... no, I, oh, go ahead. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I I think that the chemistry comes just because we, we conversate a lot, and I think that a part of our culture is that we tease each other, like you know, we kind of uh, we shit talk to each other like all the time, and you know, but 
because it's a part of the culture. There's this dynamic that we know that we're not serious when we say mm -hmm. something negative towards each other, like it's a joke. And so we recognize that. And so I think that that's helpful to where we know that we can say things to each other and the, I, the other won't get upset about it. And, you know, we'll crack jokes. And um, I, I think that that's just part of, of native culture, especially Hopi culture, because we have this concept of um, clowns that we have within our culture. And it's it's not like the clowns that you would think at the carnival with you know the big red noses and you know the colorful hair. There's actual a meaning behind what those clowns do. It's almost like what the clowns do is sacred work because what their purpose is is to keep people in check. And so when you're known to be a certain way, like if you're known to drink too much, if you're known to be a womanizer, if you're known to be lazy, if you're known to, to have some sort of negative habit that people in general might be afraid to call you out on, especially your own family, you know, because then it's like, oftentimes you have people that have these really bad habits and the people that are around them that love them, they'll just sweep it under the rug because, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's our loved one. And, you know, we're not going to come at them that way, but it's those clowns that come around and they'll say those things. They'll point those things out. They'll make a joke about it because they're in a way publicly shaming you, I guess in a way to ensure that behavior is kept up. And so I think that that clowning exists within families, within homes. And so, you know, you'll joke about somebody and you always hear Carl talking shit to his sisters. He'll uh -huh. always say something about, you know, his sisters, the ones that are promiscuous or about certain ones that, you know, are too lazy to cook or something like that. And so, you know, that's a really big part of our culture. And so, you know, we're, we're like that with each other just in general. But I think the fact that, not only do Carl and I have already have a built-in a built-in dynamic to where we've conversated with each other so much that I think the fact that both him and I have had a lot of um, public speaking experiences because uh, I, I haven't mentioned on here at least that I used to work for ASU and I used to look, work for the U of A and a big part of those jobs was public speaking, talking a lot to Native kids about higher education and trying to, to get them interested in higher education and Carl's also had that experience too as well and so I think that that's kind of where um, the strength of our podcast comes from. That's awesome that makes a lot of sense then. So towards the end I, I ask for a song recommendation. Is there a song you're okay. really feeling right now? It doesn't have to be a, a new song it just be a song that's, that's really hitting you at the moment. Let, let me see if I can pull up who the uh, the artist is. There actually is one song that I listen to a lot and this has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm going through in life or anything oh, like no. that. So I don't want out there to judge me, but there's a, and you're, you're not going to like this. It's a country song called uh, Must Be the Whiskey by uh, Cody Jinx. That must be the whiskey. Put that on the playlist. Cody Jinx? Jinx. J-I-N-K-S. Cool. What is something you've done this uh, past week to care for yourself? Um, probably just run. I, I've been trying to run more. And so I, I run probably at least three to four times a week. And for me, that's just now being in my 30s, it's really for health reasons. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. If you were a transformer, what vehicle would you transform into? I would probably transform into a Chevy Silverado. Nice. If you had to disappear and start a whole new life, what would you want your new life to look like? I would want to be a, a surfing instructor in Hawaii. 
That's pretty fucking tight. Something carefree. <laughs> <laughs> I love whiskey. What's your favorite drink? Any type of drink, alcoholic or non-alcoholic? Yeah, let's do alcoholic. Yeah, alcohol. Actually, whiskey. <laughs> I yeah, I had a. I was drinking whiskey before we started recording. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, whiskey's good. Um, what What are you addicted to? I hope it's whiskey. I hope that's the I, same answer as. <laughs> I I'm addicted to pro wrestling. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you on Thank, that one. Thanks to the pandemic, now not only do I watch Impact Wrestling, but I try to catch Ring of Honor Wrestling. Major League Wrestling, and even before they moved to Fight TV, uh, NWA as well. Yeah. What is your favorite show of all time? If there's one show you could recommend for someone to watch. The Big series. Bang Theory. Okay. Seasons one through five. Only seasons one through five. Does it fall off after that? <laughs> it falls off. Oh, no. How many in more my after opinion, that is there? It, in my opinion, I think they go up to 12. Oh, shit. Seriously, you're cutting out more than half of the series. (laughs) Damn. Last one. What is something you take for granted? Um, I'd probably say my family. My family, because um, I actually, before we started recording this, I came from a birthday party. And it was the first time that I'd seen my at least a, a majority of my family all together at the same time. Like I almost cried. I hadn't seen them oh, in man. over a year, like all of them together. So, yeah, probably them. Yeah. And you told them, I have to go record with this Korean woman uh, on a podcast. That's not <laughs> I, 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 miss, I miss you guys, but not enough to where I'm going to stick around. So <laughs> <laughs> I got to go do this vague-ass podcast. All right. Uh, that's pretty much it. I miss you, Warrior. I hope I, I – you seem to be doing okay. I hope you are. Please Life's good. text Life's me back good. sooner. But, yeah, let's Zoom more. Awesome. Talk. Definitely. All right. Definitely. So it's this continued practice of genocide to remove indigenous peoples from this country because we do hold land.